Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Welcome back to Two Pentecostals and a Microphone. Jaredith and I want to thank you so much for joining us today. We hope that you've enjoyed our podcast so far. Today we're going to talk about millennials and the church. In today's uncertain world, Jared and I would agree that having the church a part of our lives, and I'm not just talking about a once a week ordeal, but rather the church being a part of our daily lives, that is fellowshipping with like-minded believers who encourage one another on their personal walks with God, who hold each other accountable from succumbing to moral failure. Yes, it's true that church is a building, but the church, that is the body of Christ, is not a static or sterile entity, but rather a living, breathing, vibrant community. I know some would argue that they don't physically need to go to church, that they can read their Bible, pray, and even fast on their own. Yes, this is true, and I would encourage everyone to do so. But I would take it a step further because there is a world of difference between an atmosphere that is primed and ready for the Holy Ghost to move than the recliner that sits in my living room. In this episode, Jared and I talk about the importance of the church, why we need the church, and more specifically, why are the millennials, the younger generations, leaving the church? What have we gotten wrong? What have we gotten right? I think, though, the bottom line is the church needs to continue to teach biblical truth. Because the moment that that the church moves away from that is the moment the church fails, both God and its members. So a few weeks ago, at least at the time you're listening to this, it was a few weeks ago. I am actually in my work truck and I'm taking it to get the oil oil changed or uh, repair done, something. And K-Love is on. I don't listen to K-Love personally just because it's not really my style. You know, it's a lot of of the same thing. Um, And I'm not a big fan of, you know, stylistically of what they got going on. Uh, You know. How Great Is Our God is a good song, but hearing it 50 times in, in an hour. And he is a good father. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I don't need to hear that like 12 right. times a day. Right. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so I listen to, I have my own playlists on Spotify, and I have a pretty wide, diverse, you know, musical taste. So, I listen to a lot of different things, and I like, you know, Spotify and things like that for it. And I have way too many CDs and records at home, but 
I don't listen to Kayla very much. I did this day. So I just, I, I was, it was a short trip from the office to the dealer. Mm-hmm. So I just turned it up a little bit instead of trying to get my Bluetooth to connect for my phone, which is a nightmare sometimes for some reason. Um, but what I heard kind of shocked me, honestly. I want to talk about this today. The, the hosts of K-Love, and I wish I could tell you their names, uh, but anyway, they, you know them because they're the ones that are always on when, right. during the day. So they are talking about the fact that only 30%, uh, I think, I think this number was roughly 30%, maybe it was one out of three, but it's roughly that 30%, um, number of, uh, Christians, modern Christians, only about a third of us really believe that it's important to try to go to church on a regular basis. Yeah. First of all, that kind of surprised me. And what surprised me even more was the statements that were made after that. So that a caller calls in on the air and, and says something about, oh, yeah, that's I always go to church every week. And I don't understand that. She's like, I even, sometimes I even go to church on Wednesday night. And, and the, the host, the guy, he kind of laughs and says, oh, yeah, I used to do that, too. Like, it's funny in a way that she still goes to church on Wednesday nights sometimes. And he kind of laughed about it. And then he started talking about the fact that he didn't really go to church. Um, and when he did, it was kind of on a, it was a Saturday night service that they would go to sometimes. Um, and he gave the impression that he really didn't go to church or think it was important anymore. And the female host, I can't remember again, her name, but she starts to talk about how you need to not beat yourself up if you don't make it, or you need to not make it a big deal. You know, you need to, if it's a convenient go, but if you, you know, you got kids and it's hard to get them ready and, and don't make a big deal out of it. She says, sometimes it's better just to, just to stay home and read something anyway as a family and have a discussion. And I'm sitting here listening to like the hub of a lot of Christian people's daily lives. Right. Because they, they listen a lot more to Caleb than they do to their pastor. Sure. And they're hearing the hosts basically promote the idea that going to church, A, isn't really important, and B, it's almost old-fashioned. Wow. I was in shock, honestly. Yeah. Um, that's that's crazy. Um, it really is. I was speechless. Yeah. And it's, it's a problem today with millennials. And I know that a lot of stones get thrown at millennials, and, you know, we're ruining everything. We're killing these businesses. We're killing this. We're killing that. We're terrible. I, I say we because I'm kind of almost a millennial. I'm, I was born in 84, so I'm borderline. But I, with some things in that generation I do uh, I do identify with. Um, but a lot of times millennials, you know, are, are getting thrown under the bus for things. And, and this is one we're going to talk about today. But um, a lot of millennials live like the, in the, in this with this idea that church really isn't that important. Millennial Christians who yeah. believe that going to church isn't necessarily a big deal. Where where does that all stem from? What began this idea, this notion that going to a physical church wasn't a big deal? Or what do you think? I think part of the problem is that these uh, the, a lot of kids were raised in a house where uh, it wasn't a priority maybe so much, even in the last generation. So if, you know, their parents didn't take them to Sunday school every week, you know, I think I think it only gets worse. So I think if your parents were not really committed or not uh, sold out or, you know, it wasn't an absolute, you know, every week thing, then maybe that gets worse with the next generation. It's always easier to go less, you know, than it is to try to to go more or whatever. So 
maybe it just digressed a little bit, but but I think there's deeper issues at work here. Obviously, the millennial generation thinks differently mm-hmm. about a lot of things. So so that's that's definitely part of it. Yeah, I mean, millennials are more um, more observant. They are. Uh, they question things more. And that's where I identify with millennials a lot because yeah. I do question things. I and right. you might have noticed sometimes I question things maybe too much. But yeah, if I hadn't, if I was honest with myself, maybe I, it's a problem sometimes because I, it's to the point where you know, I, at least I used to be definitely the tr- the the case that I was rebellious. Um, because I just, I questioned everything so much. Right. But I I think questioning things in and of itself is not a bad thing. And I think we should, at least at some point, question everything. I agree with that. Um, but I think this questioning everything Mm -hmm. has led to church leaders trying to find ways to reach the younger generation. And in ways they started to become less authentic. Right. Uh, We have this notion that Jesus is my buddy. Yeah, Jesus is my homeboy kind of thing. Yeah, I see the T-shirts. Exactly. He's pointing. Yeah, the guy on the dashboard, the little bobblehead. And that bothers me, but uh, yeah. yeah. Speaking of the Jesus dashboard icon or whatever you want to call it. Right. you know, we're always, we're glad that he's watching over us, but, you know, maybe we should need to be paying attention to how we're driving. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think a lot of times with this, this generation, millennials, are a little less, you know, they're more observant. Like you said, they're more questioning. They're less reverent. Yeah. And, you know, that comes along with honesty. Mm-hmm. So to, to a point, I don't think that's a problem. I think it can be a problem at a point, but, but. To a point, I feel like that a lot of these things we think are are bad in the millennial generation are actually can, can be good, right? You know, because they stem from honesty and that they are looking for honesty. They're looking for authenticity. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest issues. There's a quote here. It's from the Leadership Journal managing editor, and he quotes: uh, "Millennials have a dim view of the church." They are highly skeptical of religion, yet they are still thirsty for transcendence. But when we portray God as a cosmic buddy, we lose them. They have enough friends. When we tell them that God will give a be- give them a better marriage and a family, it's just white noise because they're delaying marriage and kids and foregoing that all that to- all together. When we tell them that they're <clears throat> excuse me, when we tell them that they're special, we're merely echoing what educators and coaches and parents have told them their whole lives. But when we present a ravishing vision of a loving and holy God, it just might get their attention and capture their hearts as well. That's from a a blog post uh, titled Millennials Don't Need a Hipper Pastor, But They Need a Bigger God. And that, that that speaks to a lot of the problem, I think. Yeah. Um, in in our in our attempts to be more relevant, we've become less relevant. Right. Because we're not real. Exactly. You know that that stated right there. Is the church being real, or is it being relevant? Right. And that's that's the question because millennials don't want religion. 
Right. I think that's a lot of the issue. I think millennials, a lot of times, even Christian millennials have not only don't are uncomfortable with the idea of the church, they dis, have disdain for the church mm-hmm. because to them that is that that represents organized religion. It represents control. It represents a lot of things that that really have nothing to do with Christ and don't re, don't really reflect the community of the early church. To them, it's it's about something totally different, and and they don't like religion for that for that matter for that, yeah. for that reason. For I, before we go any further with this, um, I think we need to define our terms, if you will. Right. Um, why do we need to go to church? Why do we need to go to church? That's a good question. And, yeah. you know, I, obviously, the Bible says things about you know forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Um, yeah. I, iron sharpens iron. It, it's good to be around people who have the same goals as you, who are yeah. trying to do the same thing. I, I feel like in my experience, a lot of times, uh, of course, you know, the Holy Ghost gives empowers us to fight temptation and a lot of things. And uh, a lot of my Christian walk has to do with me and God, yeah. personal relationship with God and things like that. But a lot of it has to do with community too. There have been times when I've had to lean on you know, brothers and sisters in the church or a pastor, uh, for advice or just for somebody to be there or to pray with, or there are many times that if I did not have the church family, then I would have backslid, you know, completely. I would went off the rails completely. And I think the only reason really there, there was, there was, and this may come up in a future episode. Um, but there was a time in my life of several years where I just went to church I had no relationship with God whatsoever. Just go through the motions. I went through the motions because everybody expected me to. My parents, my friends, my family, everybody expected me to do it. I didn't want to let anybody down. Right. And I knew it was the thing I was supposed to do. So I did that. And that's, you know, that's not very valuable, you know, really of um, value to you, you know, to, to do that. But the, the only good thing that came out of it was I was still close to the church. And during that time, I still had a lot of influences from people in the church on my life. Yeah. And I think eventually that's how I came back around. Um, and if I, I think if I had ever really left, I may not have come back. Okay. So, so I feel like my, just my proximity to the church, even though at times my proximity to the church turned me off to it because Mm -hmm. of certain people, you know how people can be. Um, and they're in every group. Church is no different. And, but, but overall, I think that my proximity to the church and that community is ultimately what kept me from completely going astray. Right. So what about the person that feels that they don't need that? You know, I, I years ago, um, I was in a band and we recorded a, a CD, just an EP, a few songs. But we went to the studio in Ohio and uh, the guy was super talented. He, he's a producer. And uh, we had a discussion because, you know, he was a Christian and he was, he did Christian music. He recorded, you know, Pillar, uh, Reliant K, um, uh, just a ton of people in his studio. And, and he knew everybody in the music, Christian music industry. Wow. And, but the interesting thing was that he didn't go to church. To me, that was really my, just mind blowing. Yeah. I had never encountered that. A Christian that didn't go to church, how does that work? Right. Um, and we had this little bit of a discussion about it. And he was telling me how a lot of people in the Christian music industry didn't have, really weren't that Christian for one. That's kind of another issue, but yeah. uh, 
And, you know, it's pretty much a business, uh, at least, you know, CCM radio, uh, it is, it is a business and it was, it was basically about numbers. So a lot of people weren't even really that Christian. A lot of the ones who were, didn't go to church. And it's like, there's really like a post church culture in a lot of Christianity even. And I I think the reason for that is that we've emphasized, oh, probably overemphasized the idea of a personal relationship with God. And we have not given enough emphasis to the idea of community and of worship as, you know, congregational, you know, things we do like worship together, corporate prayer. Right. Um, the things, you know, having a pastor, I think, is a valuable thing. I think being under some kind of spiritual authority is something everyone should do. And my pastor is actually has actually mentioned how, you know, he's he has these people that he looks to, mm-hmm. you know, I think everybody should. And all, all my friends who are pastors uh, that I know of, I think, have somebody uh, even that they refer to as an elder or a bishop or in, in their personal, at least personally in their personal lives, uh, because we all need some kind of spiritual authority. If we don't right. submit to spiritual authority of some sort, it's easy to go off the rails. And yeah, there's no one to hold us accountable. No accountability. Yeah. And that's a lot of it is accountability. Right. You, if you're if you're doing Christianity on your own, you're accountable to no one. Mm-hmm. It's it's between you and God, and that sounds great, but there needs to be more to it than that right. because of accountability and because of the help that can come from a community. I think too. I mean, it's important. Like when I read scripture, when I read the Bible, you know, I want I want to understand it. And if I bring my own understanding into it, sometimes I get that wrong. Right. And so I need, in my personal life, I need others to speak into me, to, you know, to speak into my heart and to speak into my life, you know, what these scriptures mean. And so it's, it's all about being under the pastor, like you said, or being accountable. And um, to me, that's important. Absolutely. And I feel like that if you if you do interpret, it's easy to go, and I you see it even in our movement. Um, there, there's I could I bet there's hundreds of people that I've that I know personally that are apostolic, and the only scriptures they know, um, maybe even have ever read, are Acts two thirty eight and Genesis one one. Yeah. And it's it's sad, but it's true. Um, but if we were to go and off on our own and study the Bible, and without any input. And, and you know, a lot of things are just commentary. You know, the word of God is the word of God. Everything else is commentary. Yeah. But if we are to just study on our own without the church, without pastors, without teachers, I feel like that it's easy to get on this one verse theology. So this happens in our movement a lot with Acts 238. You know, that's not all there is to the Bible. I think we understand that. But a lot of times we act like that's all there is to it. Um, and, and the other movements, you know, it's John... 316. It's like they act like that's the only thing. Um, but if you are um, doing this on your own, it's it's the more isolated you are, the easier it is to get off track. Yeah. And some movements, you know, like the, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but this movement with signs following uh, or the signs following movement, um, they believe they take one scripture about taking up a serpent and drinking poison. Right. And they make that about what their whole thing is about. And their services are mostly about drinking strychnine and handling rattlesnakes. Yeah. Um, so you can see how 
it can easily go off track as as you isolate yourself uh, from a from a bigger Christian community. Right. Um, <clears throat> I think too. You know, going back to personal study, even you might even do your personal study. You might be isolated, if you will, um, and you might get things right. Right. But at the same time, I think God's word is a living word. Mm-hmm. It's vibrant. It is. It speaks to certain people in a certain way. And it's nice to have multiple, you know, um, perspectives on it. It is. I think it's really extremely important. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you got the context of what it, what it says. Right. And, you know, you can do a, ex- a proper exegesis of the scripture. Right. But, you know, at the same time, it still speaks to you in different ways. Right. There's different uh, principles and, 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 you know, object lessons or whatever that, that can be applied um, in different ways depending right. on your circumstance. Yeah. yeah so if, if I'm on my own, you know, I'm only getting this one thing. I don't know what it's speaking to someone else. And what it's speaking to someone else might be relevant to me. Well, I... Okay, Brother brother Aaron Arrowood, which is our pastor of one of our daughter works, mm-hmm. and... and and he he's a uh, couple actually it's been several weeks ago now probably and I don't know if I actually told him this I meant to but um, he preached on a Wednesday night at our church here in Seymour and he was the the point he brought out is something I had never thought of and he talks about you know your calling being without repentance and and I need to go back and listen to it to, to remember exactly what the point what the but what the point was but. Ex- the way he brought it out, I had never thought about it right. in that way. Like I had listened to people preach about it. I had heard people teach about it. I'd read about it. I'd read the scripture. I'd never thought about it the way he brought it out. Right. And I never would have gotten that if I didn't go to church. Yeah. Just in one example. True. And, you know, to kind of, I know we, in the last episode, I talked about Isaiah 9, 6. Right. I've probably read that scripture thousands and thousands of times. You know, it's mm-hmm. a real popular scripture. Right. Uh, you know, uh, foretelling the birth of Christ. Right. And so, um, just opening my heart to it in a new way, in a new light, I was able to see a whole truth that I'd never seen in that before. And if you were on your own and had never been exposed to the Apostolic Church, right. you never would have thought yeah. in that direction. Exactly. It would have never happened. Right. And so I'm grateful in that sense that, you know, I had the church to back me up on that and um, people to stay with me there, you know, the right. fellowship of other believers. and Yeah. So for all these reasons, we know that church is important, that church attendance is important. And millennials are leaving in mass. I mean, there's a mass exodus, I believe, right. from the church, and we know that it's important that they that they be there. Um, so, so what? Let's, why are they leaving? Let's talk about that. Why are they leaving? Um, I know we mentioned uh, the fact that we're trying to be relevant, and in doing so, you know, they can spot a phony a mile exactly. away, and they see that, and they're not a fan. So that's part of it. But right, we're getting these photoshopped. Metaphorically speaking, they're getting these Photoshop pastors, leaders, and you know, they're they have a certain persona that they're trying to live up to, but yet their their personal lives are a wreck. Right. 
And so millennials, like we said, they see through all that. They don't, they're, they don't see the authenticity of these leaders and they're just, they've yeah. had enough. If they see leaders whose lives don't personalize, don't, don't match up to what they're preaching. They don't practice what they preach. Right. Or they see these guys who are, you know, like, uh, youth pastors or pastors who are just trying to be cool, you know, like they've mm-hmm. got a personal stylist who makes them, you know, look cool. And, uh, you know, they, and you know, the people, I, I hear people all the time talk about the coffee shops and churches. You know, I don't, I don't have a problem with it. I wish our church had a Starbucks actually, <laughs> but here's the thing. Oh. <laughs> no, <laughs> it'd be the den of robbers. <laughs> it would be it's a den of thieves. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, now, if it was free, though, that would be great. But, yeah. Yeah. So free Starbucks, Pastor Airwood, if you're listening, let's do that. But here, here's the thing about people that are so negative about the idea of it. Because a lot of churches are doing things like this, you know. Um, actually, we have, you know, mints and gum and candy well, and stuff. We have in a quasi-bookstore. We have a little bookshop yeah. kind of thing going on. Yeah, so... So, you know, I don't think the coffee shop thing is a bad idea, but <clears throat> I, I think the the criticism isn't totally unwarranted because there are examples where the coffee shop is a replacement for the prayer room or something to that effect. That's not always the case, of course, yeah. and a lot of people act like it is, but but it can be because if you're doing it because, you know, you like coffee and it's a place for people to fellowship, uh, I don't see anything wrong with it. But if right. you're doing it because you think that people will think that's cool and they'll come want to come to your church... And then that's a problem. Yeah, like padded pews, for example. I think that's a great idea. <laughs> but if you're doing I personally, it... personally think we should do recliners. Oh, absolutely. With cup <laughs> holders, please. There's another, there's another suggestion. Um, we'll put, we need a box at, at church for these, suggestion, for these yeah. suggestions. But if, when, when are they going to allow us to start bringing uh, drinks? It's not, not water. Uh, yeah, I don't know because there are bottles of water. I see <laughs> yeah. that, so I don't know if everything else is off limits or. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I uh, these these things are. It's kind of funny, but it's but it, a lot of churches do this. Um, but if it's not necessarily a bad thing, you know, if it's done for the right reasons. But anything you do just to try to be cool or relevant is going to be people are going to see right through it. Millennials are going to see right through it. They're going to be like, okay, that's not real. And when you start sugarcoating the message. That's the real issue I have. It's not that you have a coffee shop. It's not that you do this or right. that or you have lights. And, you know, some people, you know, don't like lights, you know, in church, like a light show going on in church. Or even it's it's funny, even the lights on our platform, you know, I, I didn't notice them the first Sunday. I thought it looked kind of, it looked really good on video. Yeah. But then it took me a minute to figure out what was actually going on that was different. But there are people that feel strongly about it. You know, it's like, I don't have a problem with that, whatever. But... 
we didn't put the lights on the platform just so people would think we were cool. Yeah. And they would come, you know, and, and we didn't sugarcoat the message, you know, and that's, that's what you got to remember. You know, it, methods are methods, whatever, but the message has to be, has to stay the same. And I think that's the key. It's okay. Like you said, it's okay to have programs, right? It's okay to have tools and methods that we use to lure people into the church. Absolutely. Bait and switch. Yeah. Come for the free coffee, stay for the Holy Ghost. Right, exactly. But the moment that it just comes to the part where it's a social event. Right. It's the social event of the Yeah, and, and fellowship's good, but it can't yeah. be just social. I That's know not that, it. you know, you're tweeting, uh, was that, you know, brother so-and-so's church today, you know, be seen or doing the selfie thing. Right. You know. That's where it comes a problem to me. You know, I, I've been to a lot of different churches. Um, and, you know, in the charismatic movement, I see it a lot more in the charismatic movement. Um, but, like, you know, I went to a church recently that, you know, had theater-style seating. We were talking, we were joking about the recliner thing, by the way, but, you know. <laughs> they really did. Yeah. <laughs> but they, yeah, they literally had, like, theaters, like, I was in a movie theater or something, right. you know, theater-style seating. They played secular music. Like, I was, it was like a concert. I was going to a concert, but it right. was church. It was their church. Right. That was their service. You know, we they had the so-called altar call, you know, if you will, their version of it. Um, and right after it, they played Huey Lewis in the news, the power of love after, you know, that was the song that was dismissed by, I was shocked by that. (laughs) Yeah, I would be too. Um, I've not experienced anything like that, but I know that it's a thing. Right. And you know what? The production of the church was awesome. Yeah. You know, it was a concert. And and there's nothing wrong with great production value. I mean, I think... I think we should strive to have good, good sound. You know, if you're doing your services live on, you know, online on Facebook or something, you should, it should have good sound, good video. Yeah. You know, I think at least good enough that it's not distracting as good as you can afford. I think that's, yeah, that's absolutely should happen, but it shouldn't be all about that. Right. And I think once the moment becomes to be the thing to be seen at, I think that's right. That's the issue we have. Like the hottest club in town is your church. Right. <laughs> that's an issue. Yeah, that's when it starts to become an issue. So I think all these, you know, we we were saying millennials, but it's more than just millennials. It's you know, it's people in general, Christians in general, are leaving these churches in droves. And you know, you read, and I don't know the numbers offhand, but you know, we read like uh, PewResearch.com right. and stuff like that. You know, you read all these polls of so many Americans and so many Europeans are leaving the church today. And, you know, it's in the tens of thousands. Oh, yeah. It's definitely a mass exodus. Right. But I don't think they're wanting to leave Christianity. No, they're not, I don't think they're leaving their beliefs necessarily. Right. They're leaving the religion. Right. They're not leaving God. Exactly. They're leaving the church. I have this theory. And... I think, you know, I think this is what's going to usher in the end time revival. Um, You know, the Bible speaks that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. You know, we're, we're gearing up for this amazing thing that's going to happen worldwide. But I think we got all these churches and we got mainline 
evangelical churches that are dropping the Bible altogether. That they're, you know, they're affirming homosexuality. Ministers are allowed to be homosexual. Right. Um, things that the Bible stands against. And, you know, if I was a member in this church and I'm taught for 20 years that this is a sin and this is wrong. Mm-hmm. And then out of the blue, all of a sudden, just because the world says one thing, oh, we were just kidding. Never mind. It's okay. Right. I'm, I'm going to feel betrayed. Yeah, absolutely. And well, that goes back to last episode. Right. Talking about some of the things. Um, and I've seen some things change over, over my life, you know, yeah. my lifetime. And I think a lot of people feel that way about some things that we used to say were biblical and they weren't. Yeah. And, you know, there is that, you know, if something, if we, if we used to say something was a sin and the Bible actually didn't say anything about it. Mm-hmm. And now we say, okay, well, the Bible doesn't actually say anything about it. That's good because right. we're being honest and biblical. Um, but if the Bible said something about it then, and it was, yeah. it really was a sin then. And then we stop saying it because it's not popular. That's a problem. Exactly. So we got all these people that feel that would feel the same way that I expressed there. Right. Leaving. But they still believe in God. They still believe in the principles of the Bible. They still technically want to have a Christian uh, life and a Christian walk. Mm-hmm. Where do they go? Right. They're going to go. They're going to either. A, they're going to try to do it on their own and fail miserably. Which is what a lot of them are doing now. Yes. Or B, they're going to find a church that does express the things they feel. And I think it's so important, so important that our church, the Apostolic Church, continue to preach truth. And that is, you know, the oneness of God, the plan of salvation, everything that we believe and hold dear to our faith. It's so important that we teach these biblical principles because... I think that's what's going to usher in the end time revival because we're going to have all this mass exodus show up at our door. You know, I believe it. I think a lot of, and I I even think that churches that have had, that have left biblical principles Mm -hmm. and those pastors, they're going to start to not only feel the crunch as far as numbers and people leaving, but they're going to feel that something isn't right. And they're, they're going to realize they're missing. I, I think a lot of churches that historically have not been open to, to, uh, the Holy Ghost, for example, are going to, I think God's going to pour out his spirit on a lot of those churches even right. that, that, and they're going to turn around. Yeah. But, but I think I had a conversation with uh, pastor John Maines at one point. Um, it's been several years ago, but I remember it vividly. And, uh, he's, he's pastor of a daughter work of our church. And, uh, he made the point and we were talking specifically about, I believe we were talking specifically about homosexuality and people who, um, turn their back on the church because they feel like that that's their identity and they can't change it. And, 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 or, or people in general that walk away for, for whatever lifestyle it is, but, uh, they feel like that what they're doing and what they want to do is not congruent with the, the church or with the living for God. So they just yeah. walk away. And he made, by the way, thanks for using that term congruence. I'm a geometry teacher. So oh, that was perfect. Yeah, thank All you. Right. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to use it in a math context. I, I, I use <laughs> that, it. That's fine. Um, so, uh, Pastor Maines said uh, something that stuck with me, and he said these people are not going to find happiness in sin because what was now sin will make you happy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't ever believe anybody that says sin is not fun, 
because for a season, sin is fun. And for a little while, sin will make you happy, but you will not ever be fulfilled. It's shallow. It's shallow. Yeah. And it comes to an end. And when it does, you fall hard. Right. And and his point was this. They're never going to be happy. They're never really going to be have joy. They're not going to be fulfilled. They're not going to find what they're looking for in sin. Right. Sin will always leave you eventually. Will always leave you broken and empty and looking for something else. And then when they do, God is going to be there waiting for them. Right. And I I feel like that a lot of the people who do leave the church, um, maybe it's it's like an addict who has to hit bottom before they get help. You know, I think a lot of times some some people have to walk away and experience a life of sin in order to get to the point where they realize they need God. Um, it's sad, but it, that, sometimes that's the case. And for some people, I think they have to they have to realize that, go through that and realize they can't do it on their own and they need the church. And hopefully at some point, like you said, come back. Maybe they'll have the, like that mass exodus we had, maybe they'll come back in mass. And I, yeah. I, I can see that happening. Exactly. Um, but to kind of tie this all up again. I mean, I think millennials, like you said, we're looking for, they're looking for something real. They want something authentic. They want someone that they can look up to that deals with the same problems they deal with. They don't want a, you know, a pastor, like you said, just being put on a pedestal, if you will. Yeah. And he's they, human. Yeah. They, they're they're looking for something authentic and like you said, community and you know, they want to feel like they belong. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Right. And the problem is a lot of pastors who want to try to look more authentic to to these to millennials or whatever, they, they do it by trying to be cool. Yeah. And there's nothing less authentic than trying to be cool. Exactly. So it just doesn't work. No. And I, I think that a lot of times, uh, our culture has just turned off people to the church because of, you know, and I might mention a couple of names here and we might have to edit it out, but, uh, guys like, uh, and he's caught a lot of flack, you know, during hurricane Harvey, but, uh, Joel Osteen, you know, and I don't, I don't know. I wasn't on the ground there. I don't know. Um, I can't speak to that situation. I do think two things. I think, you know, if you're a church and you're not going to open your doors to people, that's that's a problem. Right. I don't know if that's true though. Um, and on the other on the other side of that same coin, um, the way a lot of Christians came out and attacked him, you know, I think we need to check ourselves a little bit. Yeah. But just to speak to what Joel Oste- Joel Osteen kind of. Uh, embodies this idea of, you know, easy Christianity. Um, you know, every day is a Friday. Uh, that, <laughs> that's not, just not true. Um, and, and people like, you know, these, uh, prosperity gospel preachers. And, you know, if you send me, you know, a thousand dollars, God's going to give you a million, you know, or if, if you donate your Cadillac to my ministry, then God's going to give you a Bentley. And that's, that's a not, lie. It's not biblical at all. It's a lie. Yeah. 
Exactly. So, and and people see through that, you know, and it's 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 caused this uh, generation to be kind of jaded mm-hmm. because they do value authenticity, they an honesty, and they do see through this kind of stuff. They've gotten jaded because of the state of the church culture at large, which they see on television or they see with guys, these guys who are, yeah. you know, multi, multi-millionaires. And, you know, and, and there's nothing wrong with, you know, writing best-selling books and making a lot of money and being a pastor. Yeah. But the whole idea behind their shtick that they promote is not biblical. Right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a lie. And it just comes across that way. Well, we shouldn't be selling money into a ministry so that they can get another private jet to fly around okay. the world. And there's one, I think I think it was Creflo Dollar who got a lot of flack yeah. and because he said that, you know, God wanted him to have this specific, I forget what it was, a specific jet that was like $20 million. Yeah. I think his had been damaged in a storm or something. And he needed his people to raise this money so he could buy this jet because God wanted him to have this jet and to fly around the world and preach the gospel. Yeah. Now, I really think that if God wants you to fly around the world and preach the gospel, you can do it in coach. Yeah. On a commercial airline. Sure. But, hey, that's just me. You know, Paul made tents, right? Yeah. And he, he, worked a, he worked a job to support his ministry. Right. Because the call was more important than the comfort. Yep. So, what do you think there's something we can do as a church to just to welcome to millennials, back to encourage them to come back to a brick and mortar church, a physical church, and community as a church as a whole. I think that as a church, in order to really reach out to millennials, we're going to have to obviously be more authentic. But I, I think the Apostolic Church has this message that people want to hear in this day and age, this day of political correctness. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm more than most of my friends and most people I know. I believe in being kind to people and treating them well and, and not trying to offend people. And not only not trying to offend people, but actively trying not to offend people. Yeah. Um, I think that's important. But you can't change the message. Um, so there's a difference between you know being nice and just sugarcoating everything. Right. So we have to be authentic. We have to be real. We have to be biblical. I think if we continue to preach the message and we can use, like you said, programs are fine. These methods can be whatever, um, whatever methods are effective. And, and I don't, I don't think that most methods are wrong or right. They're just, they are what they are. But if we keep the message right, the message on point, the message in the Bible, then, and, and we're honest we're not trying to portray ourselves as something we're not. And we get, sometimes we get flack because of the way we, we dress, especially ladies, you know, probably more so. Um, if, if a apostolic woman is, is wearing, you know, dress and her hair, you know, and all this, some people think that they think they're better than everybody else. And then they point out the little things like, oh my gosh, she did that. You know, she's not as holy as she acts, you know, all this stuff. Right. And we gotta be, we gotta be cognizant of that. I guess just be aware that it's a thing. Mm-hmm. And and just make sure that we, as much as we can, we don't give off the vibe that, oh, we think we're perfect. Right. You know, we should know. People should know. You know, I, hey, I, I mess up. I struggle with things still. And I don't think, you know, sometimes God takes away struggles for people. Most of us have the Holy Ghost for the reason of being, of having the power to fight through those struggles. Right. Which means they're still going to be there. You know, we're still human. <laughs> 
Um, we're all going to sin again yeah. still. Um, and if we're honest with people, I think they get less let down less often. So be honest. Don't try to be something you're not. Exactly. I think I want to see that in my pastor. I want right. to see that in my leaders, the people that speak in my life, because I can relate to them better. Exactly. Because I fall short of the glory every single day. Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> and if I think that they're just holier than thou, you know, and I put them on this pedestal, and then when they fall, it's like, I'm so hurt right. by it. But I want to know that, hey, we're in this together. Right. We're doing this thing together. Come right. with me. You know, that's, that's, I want to feel that. And that's what I want in my in my pastor and my leader. Yeah. And I, I think leaders should be, we talked about this in an earlier episode, but leaders should be held to a higher standard and all these things. Yeah. But we also need to understand that they're still human. Right. And they need to still act like they're still human because everybody, I mean, really deep down, everybody knows it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, people do get these, uh, I guess, false or, or, you know, too high of expectations um, mm. where, you know, they do think their pastor is perfect. And then if something does happen, not even really a fall as far as a moral failure, but right. just a misspoken word or something can be so shocking that it rocks somebody's foundation of their faith. And that can't be, that, that just can't happen. Right. So we need to not be pressured into conforming to culture at large and just saying, okay, you know, because this is PC, we're going to do this. Or because everybody else says that we should be open and affirming that we're going to, we're going to do it. And, and even not stuff that drastic, even just smaller things, you know, we don't we need to not be pressured into, you know, trying to be the cool church or trying to do this because that's what people like. Or when you go down that road, it, it's just going to turn off, especially this generation, it's going to turn them off. So honest, open, authentic, and biblical. And I think you're right, Bryce. At some point, the people who have left, that's what they're looking for right. in leaving the church. Yeah. And they're not going to find it having left the church. No. But that's what they're looking for. And eventually they're going to come back and they're going to come back to a church that, that offers that. Not to some social club where every day is a Friday and, and God wants to give you a jet. It's, it's going to be for biblical truth and authenticity and a real relationship with God and with a community of believers. Amen. To recap, if I can give us some closure on this episode, there are some overwhelming benefits to going to church. One, it connects us to God. There's something reverent about simply being in church. It gives us the physical space to draw closer to God. And we realize that there's just something bigger than ourselves. Plus, like I said in the introduction, the atmosphere is primed and ready to elevate us for the Holy Ghost to move through our lives. Church also gives us a chance to reflect on gratitude. Church connects us socially with other like-minded believers. Church helps us better connect with our spouses. Church also allows us to feel reverence. And it provides many opportunities to give back for charity, to help others. And it helps us 
find the lessons in our trials. It teaches us forgiveness. It gives us songs to fill our hearts. Church is where we find deeper meaning for our lives. So thank you all again for joining us today on Two Pentecostals and a Microphone. It means so much that we've all the support that we've been getting uh, from our friends, from our family, um, and all of you, all the listeners out there. Um, I just want to continue to encourage you to head over to iTunes, uh, leave a comment, uh, leave a review, a good review. Oh, we like a bad review too, but um, a good review is so much better. Make us feel a lot better. So anyway, uh, just head over to iTunes and leave that comment. That's just going to help us in the rankings so much better to be able to provide this great quality content that we're giving you. And feel free to email us any suggestions that you might have for future episodes. Uh, We are open to anything. Anything that you want us to discuss about that deals with faith, theology, and culture as it pertains to apostolics. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us. I also want to note that we mean absolutely no disrespect to anyone or anything. Um, To millennials, to anything that we talk about, we mean absolutely 100%, equivocally, no disrespect at all. We love you. We love everyone. And we we try to treat everyone the same. So thanks again for joining us today on Two Pentecostals and a Microphone. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.